listening to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats out there. Strap yourself in and get ready. Here is Scott Talensky and Wes Boss. Welcome to Syntax. This is the podcast with the tastiest web development treats in the entire world. We've got a banger of an episode for you today. We're going to talk about tech to watch in 2020. So these are things maybe you want to try out some new stuff. Maybe you want to get a, a leg ahead. Is that a saying? You want to get a leg ahead in, in whatever tech we have? I mean, there's like, isn't, don't they call, call like part of the race, a, a leg of the race? I don't I'm not a racer, but if I was, I might <laughs> not know a that. racer. <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyways, if you want to, you want to get ahead, this is the episode for you. We're going to be talking about like things that we think you should keep an eye on. Or if if there's something where you're like, hi, I want to like focus in on something to maybe forward my career, pick like one or two of these things uh, over the next year and get really good at it. With me, as always, is Mr. Scott Talinsky. How are you doing today, Scott? Doing good. Doing real good. I think that the kids are sleeping a little bit better. That's helping us a little bit. They're not sleeping a ton better, but they're sleeping a little bit better. We are potty training Landon. And I don't I don't know um, what your experiences were there, but like waking up in the middle of the night because he has to go has been a little bit, you know, tough because you're so used to him sleeping. And I'll like wake yeah. up at like four in the morning and be on his monitor like, Dad, I have to go to the potty and be like, OK, let oh. me go downstairs and get you. And uh, the other night I got him, I put him on the potty and we're, I'm just like waiting for him and I. Uh, He's like unfocused, right? He, he often gets unfocused and he was just like, it doesn't work. And I was like, oh no, what are you, what are you referring to, bud? And he's like, it doesn't work, dad. I was like, what, what doesn't work? He's like, <laughs> the fireplace, our fireplace doesn't work. Grandma and grandpa's <laughs> fireplace works. I was like, where did you pull that from, man? Like, this is like for, well, why, why did, were you even thinking about the fireplaces, right? Like. It was just absolutely hilarious. And uh, that's sort of what we're dealing with. But <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. No, potty training was was relatively apparently it's much harder for boys than, than girls. I've heard from my friends. Yeah, that's all we've heard, too. Yeah, he, he's he been he's been good about it. But yeah, the middle of the night stuff has been tough to get used to. But it's it's cooling off a little bit. So I'm I'm, I'm feeling back at it. Feeling ready to go here. Uh, we just launched a new feature on Level Up, which is like course pathways where you can like oh, yeah. go from one course to the other. And I wrote this neat little uh, SVG thing that like calculated the center of each of my course cards and draws a path between them dynamically. Uh, and so I'm, I'm pretty psyched about that. It was a nice little fun little SVG project for me. Wait, are all the cards in SVG or just the nope. just the path? The cards are all divs and well, they're, arti- they're articles. And then so I get the uh, left corner of the div. I get the yeah, or I get the left position of the div, the top position of the div. Then I know the width and height of it because I'm using uh, what's it called? What's that API? You can get that information. I'm getting the box information either way. I'm using React Measure to do it. And I'm getting the height and width of the card. I'm getting its top and left. And therefore, I'm able to calculate the center of it. And if I get all the centers, oh. I can just draw a line between the centers. But then if they're at a different position, you want it to be all right angles. So then you have to calculate yeah. the halfway position between each one. And then if oh. it's at an angle, bend the angle. It's a lot of fun. I always look at that where like like my drip, my email marketing has has like cards and then like it's like the person goes through this and there's like always these like little squiggly lines yeah. between them. And I always think like, huh, that'd be neat to to learn how to do that at some point. That's cool. And I did it with React Hooks and, and theoretically 
uh, all I'm doing is passing in an array of dimensions, AKA like the dimensions where the, the centers are theoretically, yeah. you could just pass in an array of dimensions and I could give that hook to the world and anybody could draw a path with a few more options built into it or something. That's cool. I, when I was doing the face detection stuff, it gives you where the person's eyes are. Yeah. And if you tilt your head, it will tell you that one high, one eye is higher than the other. And then I, I was like, okay, but it doesn't tell you the tilt of the head. It just tells you where the eyes are. Mm. And then I wrote some trigonometry. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like go way back yeah. to figure out how to figure out the tilt given like A squared, B squared, and then figure out C squared. I don't, I don't even remember how I did it, but I remember feeling pretty proud of myself figuring out how to, how the head is tilted based on the eyes. <laughs> yeah. Going back way back. All right. Well, today we are sponsored by Sanity, which is a structured content CMS and log rocket. What's the tagline there, Scott? See the magic. See the magic. not see the magic. Uh, log rocket lo- lets you replay what users do on your website and helps you fix bugs faster. We'll talk about them partway through the episode. So we're going to start off with uh, tech and we'll start off with CSS. It's a couple things here and then some JavaScript um, and, and related things. You want to kick it off there, Scott? I do. But before we're going, I want to do one more bit on that uh, log rocket thing because yeah. uh, see the magic. If you're like looking at bugs and not like working code, like maybe see the magic is better for like Cypress because your app's working. But if it's bugs, maybe it's see the tragic. Uh, and then you're like watching <laughs> the bugs unfold. OK, sorry. Just a little aside there. There you go. Oh, wait, I have to say one thing. Secondary I had aside. a joke. <laughs> I had a joke about a certain news station. Wait, we need a joke. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. OK, go for it. It's not a joke. I, I had a joke about a certain news station a couple episodes ago, and it was not clear that it was a joke to most of you. And I got some very angry emails about it. So first of all, I'm Canadian. <laughs> uh, and second of all, it was a joke. I am apologize for everyone that got riled up about that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, you, I, I, you, you might have heard me go Ugh, or something when you said it, oh. but I don't know if I realized it was a joke even myself. So um, maybe just you know work on that intonation a little bit there. Uh, the story of my life is just having jokes, and sometimes people don't realize that it's a joke. Yeah. All right. So let's get into this first one, which is going to be CSS subgrid, which we uh, recently talked about arriving in some of the later versions of Firefox. Now, I'm not quite positive what exactly that version is, but if you have uh, Firefox, is it in is it in Firefox main 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 right now? West, you know, it is in Firefox 71, yeah. which was released on December 2. So it's been. Uh, about a month, month and a half in Firefox already. And I used it the other day. It is awesome. Yeah, we. I was going to make a joke that it was going to be arriving sometime this year uh, because <laughs> that did not work out so well when we said that last time. But yeah, Subgrid is one of those things that it's going to allow you to really solve some of these neat little issues that we've had forever and ever in CSS. Uh, again, we we have a whole episode on Subgrid. So many of these things we're going to be saying, hey, if you want the full on scoop, uh, refer to that episode. What episode was that number? Let me pull that up here. 109 CSS grid level two, AKA subgrid. Yeah. Yeah. Check that episode out. That was January 14th. Yeah. We, we talked exactly one year ago as of recording today. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that is a subgrid. Again, it allows you to have a 
essentially a grid within your grid. The best way to understand it is really visual. Uh, so you'll want to go ahead and check out that episode. We have a lot of links and a lot of ways to uh, further understand uh, what's going on there. Next one we have here is CSS Houdini, or it's called the CSS Paint API, and it'll allow you to make your own CSS properties by giving you a sort of a lower level worklet where you can, like if somebody says like, I don't know, display Scott, and then any any div that's display Scott will just have glasses on it, yep. right? Like yep. you could probably do that with CSS Houdini. And it's it's been around for a while, but still being worked on. I'm just looking at browser support right now. Yeah. Nothing in Firefox. No iOS Safari, no Opera Mobile, no Safari. It's pretty much just, oh, it, it it's behind a flag in Safari. Mm -hmm. It's in Chrome. And I guess we're just waiting for Firefox at that point because there's no more browsers. How sad is or how happy is that that there's no more browsers? And those of you who uh, rely on IE, I am so very sorry for you. It is the year 2020. Hopefully we can move past this as a society. <laughs> yeah. So IE 11 was released October 16, 2013. That's yeah. Almost seven years ago. I bet that's probably one thing to look forward to in 2020. If you haven't already dropped it, I bet a large portion of people are going to drop that. And at the same time, people are upgrading to Edge, which now runs Chrome under the hood. Yeah. And if you look at our notes, the very next thing is about uh, dropping IE oh. overall. But uh, I think so. Yeah, the Houdini, I'm really looking forward to Houdini because right now, even with all sorts of things, right? People are sharing code, they're sharing this and that. We're able to take advantage of doing some really cool stuff, but uh, I think CSS hasn't really had its moment in that way. Like the the way that we've had to do CSS for a long time, you bring in a library, the library is a bunch of stuff obfuscated, it's a pain in the butt to change any of it. But CSS Houdini is going to give us like power tools, essentially. We're gonna be able to do all sorts of cool stuff that we've never been able to do uh, by sharing CSS functionality in really interesting ways. And so I'm personally very, very excited for Houdini. I think it's probably going to be one of the largest uh, changes into how we write CSS once it's supported, obviously, which is going to be some time. But uh, I'm very excited to see what's going on there. But yeah, like, yeah. We should do an episode on it. I mean, we've been saying this for a while, but like maybe we both need to make something in, in Houdini. And I, I'm not really curious to see how it's going to roll out because like I imagine there's just going to be like libraries that people like that's one. It's, it's not going to yeah. be easy to write these things, right. but like people will probably roll out like a library and then you and me can just go ahead and use that. And it will knowing it uses a Houdini under the hood. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I think that will be uh, give us a lot of opportunity to share some really powerful code. Like you said, display Scott gives it glasses. It puts it upside down. <laughs> it starts rotating it. Yeah. That's, oh, that's. Somebody please make that. That is awesome. <laughs> so, okay. So this next bit of CSS is something that we sort of look forward to every year is every, every little, uh, you know, piece of sand that falls through the hourglass uh, really drops the browser usage percentages in the browsers that we all hate just a little bit more. And personally, I haven't had to support IE myself, but I know many of you require IE. Uh, there's a lot of features out there in the great big wide open world of CSS that so many of us just have had to ignore for so long because we just border simply radius. can't use them. Right. Yeah. Border radius, 
Doc Shadow. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, uh, but in particular, you know, I just checked out some of these that I've, I've sort of filed away in the back of my mind for a little bit because I know I couldn't use them, like Scroll Snap. I didn't know Scroll Snap worked on IE and up. So IE 11, I should say. So if you have IE and 11, uh, and you want to use some like native scroll snapping in your CSS that is usable right now. Um, position sticky still doesn't work with any sort of IE. It's never going to happen. But if you don't need to support IE in 2020, you got a position sticky. And uh, I really the position sticky is one that I've used quite a bit since, uh, you know, finding out that I was able to use it. Big fan. Another kind of cool thing is a lot of people are going to groan about this is you can there is now a spec for styling your scroll bars. There has been, isn't there? Or, or it was just, it was There's just There's always been like a web kit. Yeah. There, like way back in the day, there was like Microsoft version of that. Yeah. And then there was web kit, but now there's actually a spec, mm. which only Firefox is implemented, but between Firefox and, and IE, it actually works. And people groan at this every time I, I talk about it because they're like, don't style scroll bars. I like they're, this they're style scroll bar. Yeah. But if like, especially like if you look at something like TweetDeck, if TweetDeck didn't style their scroll bars, they would have these big gray bars all the way through the application. And like even anything with dark mode needs to style your scroll bar to be sort of the opposite colors. And I used it on uses.tech and I think it looks pretty good. You obviously can can do some awful stuff and it could be an accessibility issue if it doesn't contrast enough, but it can be done well. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's uh I think it's definitely one of those things that could be done well. I mean, even look at my VS code theme has styled scroll bars, you know, I mean, any of that stuff. And I don't think people groan about that, not using the. Yeah, I don't think people realize that a lot of scroll bars are styled. Yeah. It's, it's just annoying ones that you go to a website <laughs> yeah. and it's like super obnoxious. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely obnoxious. <laughs> Don't 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 have it start playing noises when you hover over the scroll bar. Wasn't there that scroll fart <laughs> library a couple of years ago? Yeah, fartscroll.js. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. Something to look forward to in 2020. Fartscroll.js. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Time to grow up, Wes. It's 2020. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh let's move on. You the next thing you have here is npm's tink yeah. i actually haven't looked into this before you want to give me a rundown of what yeah, this is yeah yeah so check it out i've included a link to this in the description of the episode because I, I would i feel like a lot of people might not know what this is but here's a blog post published september 12th 2018 so uh this is this idea has been around for a little bit but you can actually try a developer version of tink Right now, I don't know anything about how well it works. I have not tried it myself, uh, so I have no idea what the status of Tink is, and they very well may be building this into NPM. I don't know the status, but Tink is basically a concept version of NPM. You could think of it as just like an experiment that they're having, but it covers a lot of the stuff that we talked about on some of our we, we briefly mentioned some of this in our Pika package. So it's in an installerless NPM. So basically just by referencing a package, it would install it on runtime and it would add it to a shared cache across all of your packages. So it accomplishes this by instead of having a like known modules folder, it would have simply just a file that tells where to look these things up at. So you would no longer have this giant known modules folder in your application, but it exists across all of your projects, right? 
And one of the cool things is that only downloads the parts that you need. So if you're grabbing like a sub part of a module, it's not going to grab the whole thing. It's just going to grab that part. And again, it does this all on runtime. So you would never have to install NPM install whatever. Um, and again, it is not something that, well, okay. We talked about this in a couple episodes ago in the Pika package about how there could be potential security applications here. Uh, there's a little bit of notes on that, uh, but not necessarily enough, something that we can get into here. They don't feel like it's necessarily going to be a huge problem, but who knows? Interesting. Yeah. I'm just looking at like, like what's the status of this? Their GitHub repo hasn't been touched in eight months, but there was, there's a issue that says, is this dead? And it looks like it is on the roadmap for NPM eight, Yep. which mm -hmm. we're on NPM six yep. right now, I think. So that's exciting. So it's, it's, it's definitely future. Yeah. Um, and also somebody put a link to yarn two, yep. which I'm not sure what that's going to well, do. Do you know anything about that? So there's a lot of like movement going on in this sort of space and in, in terms of like, you know, nobody wants sort of that, the whole left pad fiasco thing to happen. Uh, there's yeah. a lot of like issues that we have obviously where there's your packages directory is huge. It's a lot of redundancy. There's a lot of confusion sort of around here. So uh, it may seem like these tools just are dumb, but they're not. They're actually, uh, we're actively have been working on these. Uh, these are problems that are, are actively being worked on in several different ways. And another one of those is Yarn PNP. I think it stands for plug and play. I should probably confirm that. Yeah, Yarn plug and play. And not and play, but plug and play okay just to just Plug and play. yeah <laughs> just in case you wanted to get that right there's actually on next.yarnpackage.com slash features uh, i'll pu pu push eh, i'll push a link to this in the description but yarn p and p is sort of like the next version of yarn and it's sort of yarns take on solving some of the same issues that tink would be solving and i think this is really interesting there's hard hard links essentially uh it eliminates package duplication. So again, same problem that we're facing where you have the redundancy in your packages. It's also going to be utilizing a shared cache across all of your projects so that you can um, not have a whole bunch of stuff installed in one spot. So again, these are all a lot of, like these are a lot of the same tools uh, that are solving the same issues here where it's the whole space of packages. In fact, uh, another one of these tools that we talked about in the previous episode or no, the episode before was on Pika, Pika package yeah. with uh, Snowpack. So check out uh, Pika package. Watch that up. whole episode is very enlightening. And they're also trying to solve a lot of these same issues and how we get our packages into our applications. Yeah, there's also uh, Entropic. So like, yep. I think it's safe to say something will happen something. with package management this year Yeah, because there's Every, everybody's moving. Yarn's moving. NPN's moving. Pika Package is moving. Entropic is moving. Um, I don't know. Exciting space. I'm sure we'll have a couple shows on it this year. Yep. What's going on there? Yeah. Yeah. Then we get a lot of show, a lot of show topics from this. And also adding new stuff in 2020 is one of our sponsors. This uh, episode, which is a longtime sponsor of Syntax, is Sanity. Yeah. We've So if you know what Sanity is, Structured Content, CMS. It's the headless CMS to your the rest of your body, um, which is your website. <laughs> um, and they've just been cranking out the the features lately. So I'm going to just kind of 
uh, go over a couple of the different features that they have here. So they've introduced environmental variable support to Sanity Studio, which is the um, Sanity Studio is the UI that you use to edit your your data. And it's it's kind of cool because like you Sanity is a hosted solution, but the studio um, the UI that you use, you can self-host that yourself and you can throw your own React components into it, which is pretty cool. So they've rolled out support for environmental variables, which is pretty cool if you need to, to use that in any of your stuff, uh, a nice UI for, for that type of thing. They've also rolled out uh, Google Analytics right inside of Sanity Studio. Um, I know a lot of clients, like you, the developer, want like a really wicked headless CMS um, but then your client wants a really nice UI to log in and, and manage their website and manage their data and all of that stuff. So just like one step further to uh, the perfect dashboard is pulling all of that data right from Google Analytics into your Sanity Studio dashboard. They've, they've given me a list of like, I don't know, 10 different new things that they rolled out in just the last two months. So uh, they are charging on ahead uh, for 2020. If you want to try check out Sanity for your next website, go to sanity.io forward slash syntax. That's going to give you double the double. normal free tier. Thanks so much to Sanity for sponsoring. Sick. Cool. So next one is Deno or Dino. Um, if you know how to pronounce this one, please get at us because we're not good at pronouncing stuff. We all know that. Um, but you'll nope. want to check out Dino at dino.land or the Dino GitHub. Man, this Dino... Dino, Dino, this, yeah, the naming thing for this is kind of tripping me up. That said, uh, the best way to learn about this, I think, is to watch Ryan Dahl's talk on everything he learned from uh, the creation of Node.js and the the things that he wished he would have changed. Uh, Because this is basically, they call it a secure runtime for JavaScript and TypeScript, but it's basically like a new version of Node written with TypeScript that sort of solves a lot of those issues that. uh, Yeah. From the ground up, like this is not like a thing that you add to node or you start doing node in types of like, this is like a brand new, like you've got PHP node and now you've got Dino. Yep. No, Deno. It's node (laughs) backwards. Is it? No, no, Deno, Deno. I don't know. It's not node backwards. You can read it. It's a node or Deno backwards is Oned, Oned. No, well, not backwards, but it's been split on two characters and then swapped. I don't so know. Somebody tell us backwards. how to pronounce this. <laughs> it's not backwards. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think this is really cool. It's it's going to be probably in a number of years before you you see it have the adoption of even like beginner adoption. So I mean, like Node, it's obviously still being worked on. But um, something if you want to have like a maybe like a side project or you're interested in in how these things work. Um, I would definitely check it out. I, I feel like building a website in this. They've got their um, simple little TypeScript server in like eight lines of code. Yeah. Uh, example, go to dino.land. It'll show you some simple, simple code. And it might be a good, um, pretty good excited about this. space to uh, build up your uh, dev points a little bit, right? You take a, a library or a package that's popular in Nodeland and recreate it for Deno. It'd be sort of low overhead because you know what needs to be created already and then it would exist for this other ecosystem or if you get in on the ground floor on something like this and you become like the deno person then companies are looking for that deno person maybe you're that person so uh it might be something really interesting to look at early but again 
I might try doing a side project like this. Nothing major for me right now. I'm going to go buy denocast.com and uh, start a new career. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Denocast. That's good. Oh, did someone already take it? (laughs) Oh, somebody already got it. Oh, oh, somebody is on it. Somebody's oh, on, on it. What kind of Deno developers yeah. using GoDaddy? Yeah. You, if you if you were if you ask GoDaddy, how can I host my Deno site? They'd be like, Dunno, you can't. We can't do it here. Dunno. Can you, <laughs> let's see. Is there any who is info on this? Who is is no fun anymore. Everyone's got private who is. I never pay for private. See, I know. You don't. I need to. No, it's it's free on like any. Any registrar worth their weight, it comes oh, free. So like, you're hating um, on name.com is what I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm using, uh, I moved all my domain names over to Cloudflare because Cloudflare doesn't let you register new domains. So I have to still use Hover to register them. But then you then you move them over to Cloudflare and they're, they they give them to you at a cost, mm. which is like eight bucks a year for a like a .com. I need somewhere to move mine because mine are all at name.com and Cloud I love Flare. you at name.com, your Colorado, all that good stuff. But like you have not changed in years at this point. It's Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not fresh. Yeah. I've, I probably I think I did the math. I'm saving $600 a year when I moved to Cloudflare. Huh. OK, because they give it to you all at cost. And they don't have every single domain name, but I would say probably, I don't know, 98 percent of the domain names I have like the the dot AF didn't move over. Mm. Um, and there's a couple other, there's a couple other ones that are custom that I couldn't, couldn't move. over. I don't think dot tech will move over cause they're their own, their own thing, but yeah, you should check it out. Yeah. Check it out. Cool. So next one, let's get into some react stuff. Cause this is, you know, there's a lot of new react stuff coming for instance, suspense was just sort of dropped suspense for data fetching. And that's all in is great. Is it out now? I think it's out. Yeah, I think it's out, out. But the thing is, is that for suspense for data fetching to really be legit or to really be everywhere, libraries need to take advantage of it, right? Like, uh, for instance, Apollo would need to take advantage of it. And that's one thing that I would look forward to is more libraries using suspense for data fetching. But one of the big reasons why I can't use it personally is because of server-side rendering, right? Suspense for server-side rendering is not released yet, uh, which you can almost, they've begun work on it. I mean, they're working on it. So I would like to think it would come out this year, but again, I'm not on the React team and I have no understanding of what their deadlines or timelines look like. So their docs say this is an experimental feature and is not available in a stable release. And then immediately underneath that, it says React 16.6 adds suspense component that lets you wait. Yeah, but I think that's suspense for loading. They, they sort of like lazy, lazy loading in my. Yeah. In my opinion, the naming for this mm, I don't know about some of the naming, you know, suspension for data fetching. This is my, I, I get it, but like, it is a little confusing on what's released, what's not released. Well, what's the, what's stable react? Let me just check that. 16.12. Then why is the doc say it's not? And everything I've heard is that it's not available yet. Why do the doc say it's not? It might not be. Uh, I could be totally wrong about this. I think it is still experimental. Yeah. Yeah, this is like I did a talk over a year ago about this and I can't wait for it to come out. They're obviously making sure they get it right, but I am more than ready. There's like for for this thing to come out so I can start moving over some of my libraries and I am trying to re-record my 
advanced React course right now and I want this thing to be in it. Right. Everyone right. asks me, like, does it have suspense in right. it? I'm like, it's not, that's not right. even a thing it's, yet. <laughs> yeah, you're you're a little ahead of the game. And that's, you know, understandable, but still. Uh, next we have here is something Scott is super pumped about. Um, almost like it came back from a lifeline is Meteor. <laughs> What's the status of Meteor? I, I thought it was dead. Yeah. So, okay. So Meteor, which was purchased by a company called Tiny. Uh, so Tiny is a like a firm that owns businesses. They own Dribble. Uh, they own a bunch of different interesting things. But one of the things they just recently purchased was, oh, they also own Designer News, but they recently purchased Meteor. Oh, Meta Lab. They're Canadian. Yeah, they are Canadian. Uh, but they recently purchased Meteor along with Meteor's hosting platform, Galaxy, of which I've both been using for a long time. Um, the good news about that is, is, is certainly, you know, full credit to... Ben Newman and the Meteor team. Ben has done incredible work uh, constantly on Meteor, but it was very apparent that MDG as a whole, Meteor Developer Group as a whole, was just not interested in really evolving Meteor or putting the energy into it beyond uh, the amazing work that people like Ben were doing. So um, the, the problem was, is that I think it was obvious for a lot of people that um they weren't interested in putting in that time into it. So therefore, a lot of people just didn't want to care about it, right? I mean, my, me personally, I was worried about the future of Meteor because even though I knew that it would continue to see updates uh, from people like Ben, I just knew that the energy wasn't there behind it to get it where it needed to be. So here comes Tiny and Tiny purchases it. And it has, uh, I think at first, everyone is a little bit I don't want to say concerned, but everybody was a little bit like, hmm, okay, what's going to happen to this now? And since Tiny has purchased it, there has been a ton of updates. Because one of the things that Meteor always got right was the updates and the growth of the application. The things that Meteor got wrong were the community focus aspects of Meteor. For instance, I would assume that a large portion of the community doesn't even understand what modern Meteor even looks like today. So they weren't great about fostering this community and they weren't necessarily great about keeping everybody up to date and bringing people in and all these kind of things that they just really missed out on. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of community members that put in a lot of work to Meteor and I felt like MDG just sort of ignored them for a little bit. So again, Meteor seemed like it was a little bit neglected, but they've now since released a new roadmap, which is big. Um, since buying it, a couple of versions of Meteor have popped out of which Ben was working on before, but they've released and they're excellent. And largely the library just seems to continue to grow and grow and grow and improve. So me personally, I, I posted the link to the Meteor roadmap in here. They're going to be getting tree shaking, thinner Meteor, the hosting platform, seeing a ton of improvements. But I personally, I've been using this platform for a long time and I was rewriting my application on the Next.js I've gotten it basically done and I've since decided to go back to Meteor. So I'm actually uh, still going to maintain and, and continue my project within Meteor. And I'm really excited to see where that goes through the next year. Awesome. That's that's pretty exciting. I'm glad that that has sort of because I know you were like kind of sad to move away from it and you're a big fan of it. I love Meteor. I, I still am. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions. I would love to do an episode on modern media or what that looks like and the misconceptions around yes. it, because it largely accomplishes so many of the things that we talk about with looking for this rails of JavaScript. And you can do so in an exceedingly modern way. You know, I have code splitting and server side rendering and TypeScript 
and I have Apollo and all these things. And it's absolutely effortless. You can even, you don't have to use a lot of the Meteor stuff if you don't want to. As a build tool, as a platform, as a node server, it's all an excellent, excellent platform. So uh, yeah, I'm excited for where that goes. We've got some non-React stuff next. I know Vue 3 is slated to come out fairly soon, so that'll be a big... I'm not not super down on Vue or on, on what's changing and whatnot, but obviously it's a, a major release, so that will be a big shakeup. Um, and then what was the other one? Svelte. Svelte. Yeah, Svelte. Some big stuff. Svelte had a big year last year. Svelte 3 came out. A lot of press around that. I think people really took notice of how, uh, how nice it was to write Svelte code and just how simple it is. Uh, so if you are interested, check out Svelte. To be honest, I'm really excited about what the future will hold. If there's going to be more uh, community packages or all more interesting things in Svelte, the stuff that's there already, like for instance, like the animation packages that are built into Svelte compared to obviously there's nothing built into React. The stuff that's built into Svelte couldn't be any easier. So check out Svelte, check out uh, the community and just uh, I'm excited to see how that grows this year. One thing I I just watched an awesome talk a couple of weeks ago on Apollo three yeah. that's coming out and one of the biggest features for me is ability to work with the cache a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, so right now, if you want to validate all of your items in the cache, you have to blow away the entire cache, which sucks because if you've got like users or local data in the cache, then you have to blow that away as well and refetch it from the server. So uh, Apollo 3 is going to give you much better control over the, the cache. Um, well, do you know any, any of the other stuff? I'm totally, I'm blanking on it right now. Um, they, the way they are organizing the packages is going to be very different, in my opinion, the way they should have had it before. Uh, so that aspect of it is going to require a little bit of a rewrite of your code, but that's not really functional, so to say. It's just going to be a little bit better organized when you're looking for the specific package. I think that's a, a little win, personally. Yeah, there's there's not going to be so many little packages. It'll all just be shipped in, I think, one big one or uh, several big ones, which is good because mismatching versions is annoying. And I'm sure tons of silly little bugs pop up when you totally. have like not the right version mm -hmm. and peer dependencies never work properly. And then I didn't hear anything about their suspense plan yet, um, which I'm super keen on. It's it's on the we're experimenting phase. Oh, can't I guess they're just like waiting for it to be officially released so they can go ahead and, and make stuff. But that will be big as well, because right now I use Next.js and suspense and we have to do this whole climb the tree of every component and look for queries and then move them up to the top and <laughs> wait for those. And suspense will make all of that so much easier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, speaking of Next.js, next one is Next.js. Uh, now <laughs> they have yes, next on the list is Next.js. Look, I can keep going all day. Um, this one's not going to change because the Next.js is at its static sites. <laughs> See, look at that. That was three different transitions into Next.js. Amazing. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about the static API? Because I haven't looked into this other than the fact that it exists. Obviously, it's probably in response to the popularity of tools like Gatsby. So they rolled out some new, um, you know, how we have get initial props. They have a new thing called get static props, which allows you to get static props and generate uh, sites. They actually, as, as part of the rollout of this, they redid the syntax website, which is built in Next.js and a custom server 
um, and they redid it as a static website that is just generated on every pull request. We haven't merged it yet because we need the custom server because of the way that we release episodes. We can't regenerate the website at nine o'clock on Monday and Wednesdays. When the episodes are ready, we push them with a timestamp. And then once that timestamp is passed, that data is then available in the API. And then the next time you visit the website, it will render a new version of that. So figuring out how that works, if, if we if syntax should be a static website or it should be dynamic, we're not totally sure because there's certainly other ways to, to fix that. But it's kind of cool. Obviously, Gatsby is doing a lot in the static space and it's exciting to see now take a look at, or sorry, next, take a look at that and, and try to implement it. There's still a, so much more that Gatsby does over something like this, but it's a kind of a step in the right direction, I think. Yeah, totally. Uh, all these tools are going to just get better and better in this year. Uh, another thing is serverless stuff is going to continue to evolve. We've already seen it evolve in a really cool way. Next.js has done some amazing work with their now hosting platform that allow you to run serverless functions directly in your Next app. Uh, we did a, a course on an level up tutorials, and I really, really liked how the kind of control you're able to get over your application. It, it feels like it's all neatly in one little thing, but at the same time, you're running your functions in a serverless uh, as a serverless container. So uh, I think it's all going to get a little bit easier. We're seeing companies like uh, Netlify step up with their functions, Next.js with Now. A lot of people are in this space and they're going to, again, make it a little bit easier than what AWS just had with like their, uh, you know, deal with it platform. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. It's, it's been difficult in the past. Yeah, that should have been the name of the platform. One sort of company I'm keeping my eyes on is uh, Begin.com, which is going to allow you to do um, serverless stuff. I haven't haven't checked it out yet, but mm -hmm. I've just it's from uh, Brian LaRue, who was one of the main devs behind PhoneGap and Ryan Block. I met him at a conference mm -hmm. and he's like, hey, I'm Ryan Block. I'm like, you're the Engadget yeah. guy. Remember yeah, Engadget? Yeah. 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 Like I remember reading Engadget like like crazy uh, when I was was really young. And now he, it looks like Ryan Block is running a serverless company with some uh, a lot of devs I respect that are working on it. So it's on my list of things to check out. That's uh, coming up. It's begin.com. Cool. I'll check this out. Yeah. Not. Uh, another one is Gatsby. As we know, we love Gatsby over here. And uh, 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 Gatsby, uh, do you have any any knowledge on what Gatsby is going to be doing this year? I know yeah, Gatsby is just like always pushing stuff, you know. The one thing I'm really looking forward to is um, a single unified query. So currently there are page queries, which allow you to have variables in them. Um, and then there are static queries, which don't allow you to have variables in them. And you can only use page queries at a page level. And if you want to query something inside of a component that has a variable in it, you're, you're kind of out of luck. Yeah. So there is there that look, looks like they're unifying the queries. Um, made possible by suspense and they're going to move towards a single use query. There's there's already some there's lots of code written, lots of proof of proof of concepts. So I would imagine that as soon as suspense drops, we'll see a single unified query and then we'll move away from the two different types of queries in Gatsby. I think that's I'm not that's that might be wrong, yeah. but that's kind of how I see it working like that. Um, I'm not sure what else Gatsby has planned, but 
I think some pretty interesting stuff. If if I would bet, it's it's a big time for Gatsby right now. Yeah, Gatsby does excellent work, and we we we've seen it time and time again with themes and all the stuff they've been pushing out. Uh, next one is the other category, which is the stuff that doesn't really fit in anywhere. Uh, I wanted to point out quickly the headless CMS Thunderdome. I'm calling it uh, where we have all these thousands of headless CMS companies right now, of which we. We know and love uh, a few of them that we've tried, you know, such as Sanity and uh, Contentful and Take Shape and uh, Forestry. And there's even like things like Tina and some other stuff. There is so many of these services and so many of them are very excellent. So we should see this space be continuing to be a Thunderdome specifically because there's all this competition around and competition like this usually breeds some innovation. So I'm excited to see what comes out of this headless CMS Thunderdome and uh, which tools are going to continue to grow and evolve. And they're all coming for that big that big seat of, you know, the uh, the WordPress seat, Yeah, that seat that's uh you know, getting a little long in the tooth at this point. You know, I don't know how many times people have tried to do headless WordPress sites, but I've done a couple of courses on headless WordPress. And if I'm being entirely honest, it's not really that great of an experience. Uh, I hope I don't, you know, make any WordPress people upset. I don't love it. Uh, and I, so I think this this area is ripe for someone to come in and just do it better. So uh, we're seeing a lot of these companies take those steps and, and I'm interested in seeing that happen. What about seeing the magic, Scott? Yeah, seeing the magic and seeing the tragic with Log Rocket. Uh, that's also <laughs> something I'm excited for this year because, you know, websites, they got bugs. You know, it just happens. And a lot of the times when we have our bugs, we don't really know how they're happening. We don't really know what the user did. Like, how did the, the website end up upside down? I don't know. How did the user do that? I can't even imagine how the user <laughs> made the website go upside down, but maybe they did. And LogRocket allows you to see the exact steps that the user clicked. Maybe they they did a little uh, Capcom cheat code in there and you didn't know that you had that on your web. Maybe it was just hidden in there and it made your website go upside down, but you would have never been able to solve that bug without a tool that allows you to see the user's interaction with your site, exactly what they were doing, their network requests, their error logs, their Redux state, and all that and more using something like LogRocket. So you'll want to check out LogRocket at logrocket.com forward slash syntax. You're going to get 14 days for free and you're going to see the magic. Uh, I'm sorry, LogRocket for just making up these slogans for you, but you're going to be able to really see it because the first time a user hits that bug and you solve it by watching a video, it's going to feel like magic. Again, logrocket.com forward slash syntax. Uh, another thing I'm really excited for is all these frameworks that are now starting to pop up. Keystone, obviously we had a show on that. A lot of people replied to the Keystone with, you should try Strappy. Um, so that seems like a, a really good option as well. Meteor, Vulkan, JS, um, all these different like headless things where it's, it's sort of a step ahead of Prisma or Hasura. Uh, where those are good options. But if you want something that's a little bit more batteries included, there's a bunch of these different frameworks sort of pushing forward right now. And I'm excited to see. Yeah, it's sort of the ne the next level, right? We have things like Gatsby and Next, right, that largely take uh, control of the rendering and, and those application parts. But what they don't take care of is any sort of data, data database layer or anything like that. It's largely about how you render the site, right, whether that's server-side statically or whatever. Uh, a lot of these, like Vulkan, Meteor, well, I think Vulkan's 
Biltan Meteor, but Vulcan Meteor, uh, Keystone Strappy, they're more interested in that full picture of like, how does the data get in uh, into the site and how does the data exist itself, whether that's working with a database. It does fill more of that space of a CMS, but like maybe not the full space of a CMS. It doesn't take up the entirety of that space, but it's definitely interesting tools that allow you to build some really cool stuff. Um, another one I have on here is Cypress. For those of you who don't know, Cypress is the end-to-end -end testing library. You can check it out, I believe, at cypress.io. You can just Google it. Cypress testing, it's an end-to-end -end testing library that is really super good. It feels like nothing else I've used for testing. I absolutely love it. The biggest reason why people don't use Cypress is because there's no Firefox support, but they have been working on it for some time. And I just saw on Twitter, they're still working on it. And uh, I am very hopeful that it will get Firefox support in 2020. Another one is modules, which uh, I was hoping to get to uh, my hands on this one in September, but I think they have a lot of work to do. Uh, modules at modules.app, we'll have the link in the show notes is a visual editor for your code. And a lot of times these things can be balked at, but this one is more like Figma or Sketch, and then you can output a view or React component from it. Ooh. And also you could input your Figma document in here according to this little diagram. So it, it seems like it's really cool. It seems like sort of what Framer was trying to be. I have my eyes on this one. And lastly is my design app of choice is Figma. Honestly, if you're still using Sketch, uh, you know, that's cool too, but uh, I, I prefer Figma. <laughs> I don't want to be that divisive, but Figma to me is just better uh, in every sort of way. I really love Figma and they continue. Like the reason why I liked Figma from the get-go is that they had a lot of the same features as Sketch, but they had new features like all of the time. And it, that eventually happened where Sketch just didn't keep up at all. And Figma's cross-platform, they added plugins, yeah. and they just keep adding new, new, new features. They just added an auto-resizing feature. So if you create a button and then change the text, the button just resizes. Um, there's a lot of little stuff like that. And uh, I'm excited for where this app goes this year because they continue to yeah. kill it nonstop. You know, you know, one thing I learned yesterday is that you can import sketch files into Figma. Yeah. That was like oh, yeah. one of the biggest blockers for what? me. Thanks for telling me. You could do that from day <laughs> one. Yeah. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think I think 2020 is the, the year that I move over to Figma. You should. Um, it turns out it's like so one good. of the devs or main, main guys behind Figma lives like 20 minutes. No from way. Me. So who's that? Yeah. Um, let me look here. I don't know. It's in my DMs. My DMs are, are are gone. Do you know what? A funny thing about um, Figma is that I was working with Figma to do some videos like a, a couple of years ago. And yeah. uh, they, they, were only, they only had a handful of employees at that time. But one of the guys I worked with at this computer store at University of Michigan, where I met my wife all those years ago. And so no he way. knew Courtney, too. And it was so funny that I was like, wait. Is this the same, you know, is this the same guy? You know, and it's so fun to to just I didn't know he was in the space at all. It was just so fun to to run into somebody digitally that way that you had known from college. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I, I need to next site I do, I'm gonna do it in Figma. Yeah, I'm a huge, huge fan. I use it every day. I use it for all sorts of stuff, not even like I said, I use to create my thumbnails and stuff. Just it's just the best. 
Awesome. All right. Um, so that's what we think 2020 has in store. Some really interesting stuff coming up. I'm excited for the new tech that drops. Um, so buckle up and get ready. Uh, let's move into some sick picks. You got a sick pick for me today, Scott? You bet. I got a sick pick. I, um, I got a couple of them I'm trying to decide. I have a really interesting little sick pick here that's a smart device, but it's not necessarily the smartest smart device, like as in it doesn't need a hub. It's not like all super fancy. You don't need to check it out of your house. So it's a little $13 thermostat and hygrometer, uh, basically a humidity sensor. And it's very low power and it basically runs on a couple batteries and it connects via Bluetooth to constantly keep track of temperature. And every time you connect uh, it updates your your app. Oh. So I really love this. I bought a couple of them, one for my attic, because uh, we don't store anything in our attic. And I wanted to really keep track of what the humidity and temperature levels were in our attic so that I know like what we can store up there and how is it, how it's going. But also for our gym, our gym gets really cold because it's a it's a shed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's basically a shed. It's a shed garage. But we have a couple heaters out there. So what we've done now is I have one of those thermostats and I can turn on all the heaters and then I can come inside the house and I can just look at the app because it connects via an app, even though it's just Bluetooth, it connects via app. And I can just look and say, OK, it's 40 degrees out there. That's warm enough for me to go out. Um, What's this a, called? It's a Govi thermometer hygrometer accurate indoor temperature humidity. Govi? Govi. Uh, I have a link to it in the show notes, or I did. I'll put it back in okay, there. Okay, I think I need this because like, my wife's always like, it feels cold in the girl's room. And I'm just like, I don't oh. know. Is it? Um, and like, I always, I wanted to put, I have the Ecobee thermostat and Ecobee has these little like coin cell things you can put in each room and then it will heat it depending on what mm -hmm. room you're in. And I was like, I'd love to just have one in every room so I can know how hot is it in each room? Do we need to turn on a space heater? Um, but they're, I don't know, they're like 60 bucks a pop. It's just too expensive. So just something super simple like this is probably what we want. That's great. It's super simple. It's, it's very easy. Um, and it like it's a it's a nice solution to a problem that I think other companies would go way overboard trying to solve. So, oh, yeah, this is cool because like we've got the at our house, um, we've got the just the like regular one where you put the thermostat outside and then you've got like a tiny little screen that you put inside. Mm -hmm. um, and we love that because it, it actually tells you what is the weather outside my house, not. <laughs> Not some weather station yeah. at the airport yeah. and it tells you, but this one goes on your phone as well, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I'm Check a big fan. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm going to sick pick um, something. So I just redid my uh, office and I built a, I, I talked about this before. I built a rack out of Ikea thing. And one of the, the things that I wanted to put in my rack was like a power bar, a, a rack mounted power bar. Um, and this thing is awesome because, and you're not talking like the, uh, protein bars, are you? That's <laughs> no. what they're called, right? They're <laughs> yeah, I got to Actually, this could be like a lifting rack and getting power bars to eat. I just wanted to clarify here. Yeah. I hear, I hear rack and power bar and, uh, this, our gym heads are going to be, hmm. This is computers for all the computer folk out there. So it's a 16 outlet <laughs> um, rack mount power strip that is surge protected. Um, and it's awesome because you can mount this thing in your server rack or in your Ikea table, which is what I did. Um, and it will give you 
I don't know, 10, I think it gives you 10 plugs at the back to plug in all your stuff and tidy it up. And then it gives you six plugs on the front for just like temporary stuff that you need to plug in. So some, I'm testing a bunch of routers right now and I just need to plug them in and out really quickly. And I don't have to like climb under the desk and find the power bar and find space to plug this thing in. So big fan of that. It is called the StarTech 16 Outlet Horizontal rack mount power strip. There's a whole bunch of them available out there. And this one has the most plugs for your buck, which I'm a big fan of. I need to, um, my rack is great. I need to step up my racket game. You got a nice rack. Thank you. I got, yeah, yeah we, we should have a rack off where uh, we post <laughs> our racks. Yeah, you should build one and we'll do a little hasty treat on, on how we did it all because I've got. I built one. I built one like four months ago. What you built like a, it's a rack, uh, like a, like a, are you joking with a lifting rack here or are you? <laughs> no, not, I'm, I'm not joking. No, I, I have a, 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 what's it called? A rack, a, like, um, it's just a server rack. And I, oh, so really? I, yeah. They have it underneath. I did it very interestingly. So I have, I wanted my desk cause I have a, a standing desk. I wanted my desk to be like a one cable on one cable oh, off I kind saw of thing. That. Yes. So what I did is I bought a. It's supposed to be for like an in a cabinet, but I, my desk is heavy enough that I'm not really worried about it tipping over. And I screwed it into the bottom of my desk. So underneath my desk, I have the rack, um, installed to the bottom of it. And then I just have my, um, my, what's it called in there? My, my audio equipment. DBX 286S. Just nailed it. Uh, I would love maybe if I had like a, a four port rack so I could have a a few more things in here. Cause right now I'm kind of limited on the space. I, I went with the two. And now I'm, I'm all, I got a little bit of case of the regretsies. So, well, you can go get a table for what eight dollars at IKEA. I want a table. <laughs> Who wants a table? No, no. What you have is super clean. I, I like that a lot. I only have three rack mount stuff, and then the rest of it just went went on there. But I have dreams. You, do you know you can buy a rack mount Mac Pro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so dope. cool. I know everything should be rack mountable. Yeah, in the future, everything will be recommendable. <laughs> um, shameless plugs. I have a new course on level up tutorials. And when I say I, I don't mean me because I did not create this course, but the very talented James Quick created a course for level up tutorials on React and Firebase, where he builds a quiz. And it's really neat. You create a full quiz. And since it's using Firebase, you have a whole database to, uh, you know, to back up that data and everything. It uses the open trivia API. So again, we have like access to an open API. It's really super fun. James is an excellent teacher. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with his work, just go subscribe to his YouTube channel. I'll make sure I link that here. He does very, very good video tutorials. And uh, we're super lucky to have him be able to do a course for a level up. So uh, check it out at leveluptutorials.com and the courses React and Firebase or full stack React and Firebase. Beautiful. I'm going to shamelessly plug all of my courses right now because they are on sale Ooh. for a new year, new you. Just go to any of my courses, beginnerjavascript.com, advancedreact.com, learnno.com, reactforbeginners.com, es6.io, um, and you can grab all of them. They are on sale to the end of January if you want to grab one or two or all of them. Oh, and use a coupon code syntax to get an extra 10 bucks off as well. Cool. Do that. Do that. Do that. Do that. All right. Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you on Monday. Catch you then. Peace. Peace. 
head on over to Syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show.